You are listening to a podcast produced by the New Zealand Centre for Political Research. Follow this and our other podcasts on nzcpr.com. Welcome to our podcast for the 27th of October 2023, presented by Dr Muriel Newman. When the Marine and Coastal Area Act was passed in 2011, the public were told by the then National Government that less than 10% of the coast would qualify for customary marine title. A decision by the Court of Appeal has shown that assurance to be a lie. We now know that virtually all of the coast will pass to Maori control. National is now in charge. It should put things right. It should amend the legislation so it does what they said it would do. Here's Muriel Newman. Court of Appeal decision that has just been released will have a profound influence on the future of New Zealand. Poor drafting and a radical application of tikanga by the judiciary has delivered the exact opposite outcome from what the public was promised. The law in question is the Marine and Coastal Area Act, MACA. It was introduced by John Key's national government back in 2011 as part of their coalition agreement with the Maori Party. The new law repealed Crown ownership of the foreshore and seabed and opened up the coast for tribal claims. At the time, the public was assured by the architect of the law change, the Attorney-General Chris Finlayson, that no more than 10% of New Zealand's 20,000 kilometre coastline would end up being controlled by Māori. Those promises have now been proven false. The Court of Appeal decision will result in virtually the entire New Zealand coastline and territorial sea passing into Māori control. So how did we get to this point, where our government has surrendered a key public domain to tribal interests? This debacle began in 2003, when a dispute between iwi and a council over a marine farming application escalated to the Court of Appeal in what was known as the Natiapa case. The court overruled Crown ownership of the foreshore and seabed by finding that pockets of customary interest might still exist. A resulting flood of claims from Māori seeking ownership of the coast forced Helen Clark's Labour government to legislate to restore Crown ownership through the 2004 Foreshore and Seabed Act. While the new law provided for tribal groups to prove their customary interest in the High Court, there were ongoing complaints that the bar was set too high for claims to succeed. The Maori Party campaigned for a law change, and once in coalition with National, the Foreshore and Seabed Act was replaced with the Marine and Coastal Area Act. The new Act set a lower threshold for ownership to be proved and allowed claims to be taken to the High Court or to be dealt with through direct negotiation with the Crown. The prize was huge. 10 million hectares of the richest natural resources in the country, covering the distance between the average spring high tide waterline and the 12 nautical mile territorial sea limit, along with the airspace above, the water space, and the subsoil, bedrock, and mineral wealth below. 
At the time, the Maori Party informed their supporters that the threshold tests had been relaxed and would be hugely beneficial to Maori. They said, quote, tests incorporate tikanga, allowing for variations among iwi, transfers of rights between hapu, and for tikanga to evolve. Tests do not require claimants to hold adjoining land, so Rapatu iwi can claim customary title. Allowing others to fish and overlapping rights of neighbouring hapu do not disqualify claims. End quote. In other words, the Maori Party was confident that tikanga would be a central consideration in the new law, and as a result, neither historic land confiscations nor overlapping claims would disqualify claimants. This was at odds with the assurances being made to the public at the time by Chris Finlayson and the National Party. We were told the tests to gain customary marine title were high, and Section 58.1a of MACA claims had to firstly hold the specified area in accordance with tikanga, and secondly, under 58.1b, they had to have, quote, exclusively used and occupied the area without substantial interruption from 1840 to the present day, end quote. Overlapping claims, which were obviously inconsistent with the concept of exclusive use, were expected to be ruled out, as were claims for areas of the coast where adjoining land had been confiscated or where third-party use resulted in substantial interruptions. Furthermore, since tribal groups had limited ability to navigate far from shore in 1840, it was also expected that few, if any, territorial sea claims would succeed. Claimants gaining customary title would receive an invaluable property right, akin to ownership. This includes a right of veto over all resource consents and conservation activities, involvement in coastal planning and policy development, the ability to charge commercial operators, impose rahui, and restrict public access through wahitapu, and ownership rights to all non-nationalised minerals, including royalties from existing mining operations backdated to when applications were first submitted. While the law protects commercial fishing, navigation and public access, as well as existing marine reserves, aquaculture activities and essential infrastructure operated by the Crown, port companies and councils, it does not prevent customary marine title holders from regulating consent applications for expansion plans, variations and licence renewals. Under the new Act, Māori had six years to lodge their claims. On the eve of the six-year deadline, in April 2017, almost 600 overlapping applications for the entire New Zealand coastline and territorial sea flooded in, some 200 for the High Court and the balance for Crown engagement. While each Māori claimant group was offered up to 458000 to fund their High Court cases, there was no financial assistance available for those wanting to oppose the claims. As a result, despite widespread public concern, opposition to the claims was limited. That's when the NZCPR stepped in to raise the funds to enable a voluntary community group 
to oppose the first Edwards claim in the public interest. Our understanding was that none of the multiple applicants for a 44-kilometre stretch of the Bay of Plenty coastline around Apotiki would meet the high MACA threshold for a customary marine title, and our hope was that ensuring a sensible outcome for the Edwards case would have a precedent effect on all other claims. However, the High Court ended up awarding three customary marine title orders, one of them shared between six applicants and another shared between seven, as well as six orders for the lesser protected customary right for activities such as gathering shells and driftwood. In his controversial decision, Justice Churchman ruled that tikanga outweighed any property right requirements. Quote, the task for the court in considering whether the requirements of Section 581A of the Act have been met is therefore not to attempt to measure the factual situation against Western property concepts. The critical focus must be on the question of whether or not the specified area was held according to the tikanga that had been established. End quote. The churchman judgment elevated tikanga which had been determined by Pukinga, cultural advisers engaged by the court, rather than the judge himself, above any need to consider the property right section 581B test. And with Tikanga defined to include sharing, any consideration of exclusive use of the area was dismissed as irrelevant. As a result, instead of being ruled out, overlapping claims were accommodated through a new tikanga-based concept of shared exclusivity, and substantial interruptions were interpreted to mean that small parts of a claimed area might need to be excluded rather than the claim itself. Since the High Court ruling delivered the exact opposite of what we expected from the National Party's assurances about the law change, we appealed the case to the Court of Appeal. It was their decision that has just been released. The three Court of Appeal judges delivered a split decision. While they all agreed on the remedies, their reasoning varied. Our argument was that the Edwards case needed to be sent back to the High Court, so the Section 58 1B property rights tests of whether the claimed area had been held exclusively and continuously since 1840 could be properly determined by fact and proof. While the appeal court agreed with us that two of the three customary marine title orders should be sent back to the High Court to be reassessed, it was a hollow victory. The Court of Appeal decision affirms tikanga as the dominant consideration when assessing customary marine title applications. As a consequence, the hurdles of gaining title are now so low and self-serving that virtually all of the claims are likely to succeed. As a result, the entire marine and coastal area of New Zealand will end up under the control of competing Maori tribal groups, which is the exact opposite of what National promised when they introduced the new law in 2011. What the judgment has highlighted is the danger of including tikanga in the law, since it can be interpreted to mean virtually anything at all. But what is particularly concerning about this case 
is that while the Court of Appeal understood our argument that the law should deliver what Parliament intended, they refused to do so. Quote, we have found it exceptionally difficult to reconcile the text of section 58.1b with the purpose of the Marine and Coastal Area Act. On a literal reading of section 58.1b and its requirements that the group must have exclusively used and occupied the area from 1840 to the present day, it seems likely there would be few areas of the foreshore and seabed where customary marine title could be made out. In some areas where the common law would recognise that a group had customary title, incursions into that area over the last 180 years by third parties would deprive the group of a customary marine title. Far from recognising and promoting customary interests, MACA would, in many cases, extinguish those interests. End quote. In other words, since the judges reasoned that doing what Parliament intended would be perceived as unjust and contrary to the purpose of the Act, they interpreted the law in a way that will ensure virtually all of the tribal claims succeed. As a result, there is now no doubt at all about how the courts will apply the law to the bulk of claims yet to be considered, some 200 in the High Court and 385 awaiting Crown engagement. It is now certain that title to New Zealand's coastal marine area will pass to Māori. Furthermore, the Court of Appeal has even gone so far as to offer guidance on managing competing applications and even suggested the Court appoints a trustee to formally hold customary marine title rights until the groups could work it all out, according to Tikanga. In other words, the various claimants to a particular area will in effect have a holding trust through which the area will be managed with income from the rights received distributed according to an agreed formula. It is also certain that each of the multiple claimants to marine title will exercise their ownership rights by demanding that they be consulted as affected parties to resource consent applications. The end result will be multiple groups preparing their cultural impact reports paid for by the consent applicant. What is also clear is that they will be not managing the area in the public good, but will prioritise controlling the resource for their own financial advantage. The only positive from the case is that we now know with certainty how the courts will apply the law. The bottom line is that the effect of the Marine and Coastal Area Act is the exact opposite of what National promised to the New Zealand public. It is now up to National to put that right by changing the law. I will leave the final word to this week's NZCPR guest commentator, the former judge and law lecturer Anthony Willey, who has examined the Court of Appeal finding and agrees that repealing the Act and restoring Crown ownership of the foreshore and seabed is the only way forward. Quote, This has a way to travel through the courts before the law is settled. The costs of this litigation are and will be enormous. Given the legal costs are being met by the taxpayer, except for those opposing the claims which they must meet their own, if nothing else, this whole process will become a bonanza for the lawyers 
and court lists will be cluttered by such claims for years to come. More importantly, the process will create division between competing Māori families and between Māoris generally and other ethnicities. Given the uncertainty surrounding the judgments and their effect on society, the only course is to return the foreshore and seabed to Crown ownership where it has resided since 1840." That's it for this week. Don't forget to visit www.nzcpr.com if you'd like to register for our free newsletter, take part in our poll, or access a treasure chest of valuable information. See you soon. Bye. This podcast has been brought to you by NZCPR Media.